0: Good morning. morning. Wake (laughs) up, y'all. Wake up.
1: Good morning, Connection Point Church. I kind of already did this a second ago in the announcements. But hey, I'm here again. I'm back right here.
0: What good worship this morning. Thank thank you guys
1: for leading us. I have a hair here. Um, Man, we, Joey and I are so excited that we get to um, share with you guys today. Um, So God has just laid something on our hearts over the last couple months, and um, we are pumped and excited to share it with you. So the sermon title today is Wake Up! Wake, wake up. up, wake up. So That's right. We hope that you are awake, alive, alert, enthusiastic, right, this morning. So we hope that you are um, are awake this morning. So, we're going to um, get
0: woke today. We're going to
1: get woke. Okay, so let's – hold on. Let me just talk about the word woke here for a second. So I don't know that we are allowed to use it, really. But um, the, if you go do. look up the word woke on the Urban Dictionary, which Urban Dictionary is quite – an interesting experience. Enter with caution. I will say that. Enter with caution. But woke means the act of being very pretentious about how much you care about a social issue, which just makes me laugh. And so initially we thought we were going to name this sermon Get Woke, but we don't want to be pretentious we're about cool anything. We're not cool them. enough to say that. So we don't want to be pretentious, but we do want to be awake. So I know with that with that word woke um, or with this idea of being awake to social issues, man, we want to be the kind of people who are awake to that. But we as believers want to be more concerned about being awake spiritually than we are about being aware of what's going on socially. Now that's part of that. When we're awake spiritually, we are aware of what God's doing. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. I might be skipping it head a little bit. Um but we want to be awake spiritually. Um and so that's what this that's what the sermon's about is how right. to be awake spiritually, to wake up. Um in our souls.
0: Yeah. So we're today we're gonna be mainly in Ephesians chapter five, the book of Ephesians, chapter five. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I would encourage you if you got a, a real Bible, if you're at home, man, pull that pull that Bible out uh and open up to the book of Ephesians with us again. Ephesians five. Uh, the main the key verse today that we are um speaking from this idea is 514, Ephesians 514, which says, wake up, O sleeper, wake up. If you're not awake now.
1: Joey might do that several (laughs) times, so just be forewarned. If
0: you're watching this and you're still in bed right now, at least pull the covers (laughs) off of you and sit up, okay? It's
1: time to wake up.
0: The message is called wake up, okay? Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Guys, we got to, uh, Megan and I got to spend an awesome, um, trip, a, a getaway, uh, this last fall, um, it was just a gift for us, um, just a gift of a trip, and um, we got to spend some time. It was a spiritual retreat, is what it was—a a gathering of a few people and um, focused on just some really cool things. And so, we our our um, desire is just to share with you what we feel like God did in our hearts on that trip. Um, and and uh, in hopes that God would um, kind of give us all a spiritual awakening to start off 2021. Uh, 2020 was a hard year, um, but our our goal is for 2021 to be a spiritual awakening um, for ourselves personally. That's that's our goal and and our hope and our prayer over uh, the last few weeks has been that our church would have a spiritual awakening. Um, a lot of people, when they read Ephesians 5, uh, especially this 5.14, when it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, they uh, kind of misread that, misinterpret that as uh, as scripture that was written for nonbelievers. Um, but in fact, the whole book of Ephesians was written By Paul to the church in Ephesus, who was actually one of the best churches in that time.
1: Just like CPC. Just like (laughs)
0: CPC, yeah. Um, They were uh, actually an outstanding church, but even in that church, there were people who were spiritually asleep. Um. So I want us all to just think about sleep for a minute. What is sleep? Sleep is something, it's, uh, it's, it's glorious, thing. right? <laughs> uh, when you go to sleep tonight, you will drift off into a form of unconsciousness, um, you will become unaware of your environment, your body will basically only do what it does by reflex, um, you will hopefully keep breathing um, when, you, when you sleep, um, heart will keep beating, things that your, your body will do what, um, what God designs it to do, but only things that it can do without even thinking, um, and so the unfortunate truth is that Christians, um, Christ followers can, um, ev- can even go to church and be in church and be asleep still um, be spiritually asleep. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the whole idea around this message. That's the whole idea uh, behind Ephesians 514 is that, um, we need, we need to wake up spiritually. Um, we need to not allow ourselves to be in a spiritual slumber. Um, we need to be awake to the goodness of God, to the power of God, to his Holy Spirit who lives in us. Um, and yeah, so, so that's what, uh, what we're talking about, and, and y'all, the reason that uh, this is important um, is because spiritual slumber is an issue, um, and, and it's a real issue, and it's all over Scripture. There are so many verses and instances. We're just picking this one in Ephesians. Uh, it talks about it in Isaiah. It talks about it all over, um, the call to, to come awake, um, because it is it, it is an apparent issue um, among believers um, to, to fall asleep to to the goodness of God. Yeah, um, that's right. And so we just kind of want to share our hearts. We're gonna, This is going to be more conversational today than mm-hmm. usual. Um, so we're just going to share our hearts with um, some of the stuff that God's taught us. And specifically when we went on that trip to Colorado, we got to hear a really cool story about the Hebrides revival which was just an incredible like you just
1: said gibberish. <laughs>
0: yeah. The Hebrides, Hebrides revival. revival. Um, Maggie, you want to just go ahead and yeah, share? So that story? Um,
1: this is an incredible story. You guys, um, I had not, Joey and I had never heard it before until this retreat that we had gone on. Um, and so there's a lot of information that I could give you. I'm going to try to keep it concise. Um, but if you have an opportunity go check out the Hebrides revival story, um, the Hebrides are islands north of Scotland. And in 1940 which is not that long ago, um, there was a massive revival that took place um, in in these Hebrides um, Hebrides islands, and particularly in the Isle of Lewis. And so what happened was, this was kind of right after World War II, so stick with me. We've got some history coming. I'm not great at it, but I do love it. Um, after World War II, the area in in the Isle of Lewis and in these Hebrides, Hebrides Islands, um, they were just kind of trying to pick up the pieces. But people were not aware of of God, and so they had these churches. Um, mainly, it was a mainly Presbyterian area um, of churches, and mostly the people that were there were just older the, of an older generation. So there were no young people in the church, but there were these two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. Peggy was eighty four. 84 and blind, and Christine was 82 and severely arthritic, and these two sisters lived together in a cottage in the Isle of Lewis, Um, and they loved God deeply, and they believed that the church would be filled again with young people, and so these two sisters, these sweet old lady sisters who loved God decided to start praying, and they prayed every Tuesday and every Friday from 10 p.m until 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, which blows my mind. Um, They were awake, obviously, um, started praying for revival in their town. Um, And so they consistently got on their knees at 10 p.m. on Tuesdays and Fridays and just prayed for this. And they reached out to their... Their pastor, Reverend McKay, um, and told them that they were praying for revival. Um, Peggy at one point had a vision from the Lord that um, young people would be fill would fill their churches again. And she um, she came across um, this verse in Isaiah that says, "For I will pour out, or for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants." And so she she knew that that was a promise from God that God was going to pour water on the thirsty ground of the Isle of Lewis. And so they prayed over that and they invited Reverend McKay to pray over that too. And more people started to join. So it started with these two women and then a remnant came from that. And they were there was a group of people that were consistent in prayer over this area. And it got so big, they were, I think they were originally praying in this, these sisters' cottages, and so it got to be too many people. So a blacksmith in the area and opened up his shop, and, and people started to pray there. So Tuesdays and Fridays, they would pray for revival in their city. Um, And then one night, a young deacon up from the church was in one of these prayer meetings, and he stepped forward and he read Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, which says this, "'Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place?' the one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god they will receive blessing from the lord and vindication from god their savior and he asked this question how can revival come if we don't have clean hands and pure hearts and there is this conviction from the holy spirit in him that that said i've got to i've got to repent Like, what is in me is not clean, is not pure. And so they started repenting. The Holy Spirit came down. And there are stories that talk about, y'all, this is just blows my mind, that the room shook. I'm not talking about biblical times. Like, this was 1949. There are people still alive who experienced this. The room shook because the Holy Spirit came down in conviction, which... It's not sound fun, but what it did is it, it it brought this need for God for these people, and so they invited a guy named um, Duncan Campbell, who was another pastor, uh, a preacher in Scotland, and he came and they wanted him to preach for about ten days. Um, and when he arrived, he um, they invited him to like teach immediately. They were like, "Come on, let's go. We're like revival's happening. Let's go." And so he came and taught. Nothing real crazy happened in that first meeting, um, and then. As he was dismissing, another young man kind of called out to God and said, God, you said you would pour out water on this thirsty land. You said you would do this. And again, in a miraculous like Pentecostal thing happened and the Holy Spirit fell on their town. There was like a dance happening And a bunch of young people at the dance, the Holy Spirit came down on this dance, the music stopped, and they all just felt in their spirit that they needed to go to church. Y'all, it was like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or something ridiculous. A bunch of
0: seniors were at their prom. (laughs) Right. And they stopped the music and said, we need to go to church. We got
1: to go to church. And they did. And as like that guy, that, that young man kind of called out and said, God, you said you would pour out spirit. Um, your spirit, you pour water on thirsty land, hundreds of people started to come and show up at the church. And it began this insane spread revival all throughout Hebrides. Y'all read the story because the stuff that happens, I mean, there's one story of a family who showed up at church and there, there were like five people in the family, the mom, dad, and brother and sister were at church felt the like a call from the Holy Spirit to to follow God to follow Jesus. The other sister was in London at medical school and that same day the Holy Spirit did a work in her heart and she also chose to follow God on the same day. And y'all, this was night again 1949 1950. It's not like they were texting each other, FaceTime and like, "Hey, I met Jesus, you should meet him too." They were like it was a move of a a powerful move of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. I, Obviously, we're there's a lot that that we could share here. Um, we don't have time to share a lot more, but we really do encourage y'all to go. I mean, YouTube it and watch some videos. There are personal accounts from people again that are still alive that share their stories um, of what happened there. And uh, if you just think about the the word revival, um, what is revival? Uh, the I mean, the actual definition of of just a regular old revival is just bringing something back to life. Um, but when we talk about a spiritual revival, a spiritual revival is a little bit different. Um, I, the, a spiritual revival is a work of God, um, something that man cannot do. Um, it's, and I love how Duncan Campbell, actually, the guy who, the, the preacher who came, the evangelist who came to lead that uh, Hebrides revival, he described it this way when he was asked to define revival. He said, when I speak a revival... I'm not thinking of high-pressure evangelism. I'm not thinking of crusades or special efforts convened and organized by man. That's not in my mind. Successful evangelism sees hundreds or even thousands of people making decisions for Christ. But the community remains unchanged, and the churches continue much the same as they were before. Revival is something altogether different. Revival is a move of God in the community and the community becoming God-conscious before a word is spoken by any man. Y'all, we can do as many incredible Eve of Christmas Eve events and uh, Easter Sundays and, and just gatherings as we want to put on, um, but revival comes from God. God. Um, and it has to be prayed for. It has to, uh, I mean, as Psalm 24 read, it, it it has to be from the pure of heart. Um, and, and so revival is a move of God. However, um, it, fire starts small. Um, we often refer to revival as consuming fire. Um that's kind of how uh, revivals spread. they They spread like a consuming fire, and fires start small. fires start with a spark a lot of times. Um, and it, I mean, for instance, in this Hebrides revival, it started with, I believe the two these sisters. two yeah, these <laughs> two sisters who just prayed.
1: yeah, what's cool to me about them and and' it's, is really extra interesting other than the fact that they were i mean older towards the end of their life blind and arthritic i mean there's just a lot of reasons to think that they would be discounted and i think that as as believers there are a lot of things that we say to ourselves that think we we're discounted from seeing a work of god um something from our past something from um that we deal with regular some sin struggle that we deal with um but god uses broken arthritic and blind people um, who love him to to start a move of God, to start a, to start something. And so it did. It started with these two faithful women who said, I'm going to pray that I see that that God can move here. And they were just faithful in prayer. And it did. It was a stark and spark. And so it moved from these two people. And like I said, and then it moved to a remnant of people, a small group of people. And then it, it it took the whole town by storm. I mean, God's spirit just fell down on the Isle of Lewis. Right.
0: Um, clearly it would be incredible to be able to experience a revival like this. Amen. Um, I, I mean, my, uh, my impression actually, what I've heard is that a revival like this hasn't happened in this century. And this might be the only century. Come on, Lord, it's time. It has Um, we're ready. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's due. Um, However, we know, I mean, that kind of revival is in God's hands. Um, we know that there are things that, that we can do um, to help spiritually awaken ourselves. Um, we may not be able to spiritually awaken the entire community, but we can be um, set some things in place to spiritually awaken ourselves. Um, and so that's what we kind of want to talk about for the last, uh, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. I mean, this message,
1: one of the things that with this Duncan Campbell quote is he says, um, you can see tons of people decide to follow Christ. And so as like Connection Point Church or people who might be, y'all might be watching this. You're like, well, I've chosen to follow Jesus. Joey and I have chosen to follow Jesus, but there are seasons of our lives where we are not awake spiritually. And so you can, you can love God. You can believe in the salvation power of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. And still, like we said, still be asleep to what God's doing and how he's moving. And so, we're going to talk to you. The very end of this is we want to share with you what we think a spiritually awake person looks like and what we desire for, for ourselves
0: right. as well. Um, so this is, these are just things that, that we kind of came up with. There's no defined rules here. But these are three things that we know a spiritually awake person does. Number one, spiritually awake people recognize their debts. Spiritually awake people recognize their debts. If you're a Dave Ramsey person, um, you might be shaking in your boots right now. We don't like debt. But we are all in debt, okay? Whether you claim to be debt-free or not, um, financially, we are all in debt, okay? Um, The Romans says, for the wages of sin is death. Um, The price that we owe for our sin, um, which we all have in us, is death. And spiritually awake people recognize their debts. I'm going to share with you a little passage um, where Jesus talks about this. Um, Jesus uh, tells us that we must recognize our debts. Um, so he in in Luke seven. I'm going to summarize this a little bit, okay? Luke seven. Jesus actually goes with a Pharisee to the Pharisee's house, and a Pharisee is somebody who memorizes the law, right? They're very by the book um, kind kind of person. Um, so he went to go have dinner with this Pharisee in his house, and a woman of the city um, comes in. We might
1: what does that mean, Joe? <laughs> I don't,
0: we our translation might be a woman of the night. Um, she was a woman of the city. It uh, says she was a sinner. Um, and so she uh, she learned that Jesus was there, and he Jesus was there reclining at the table, um, which I kind of wish we had a dinner table that we could recline at. That would be kind of awesome. Anyways, uh, he um, the Pharisee sees this. Uh, the, the woman of the city comes in, and she just worships Jesus. She knows who he is, and she just... Um, cleans his feet. She, she bows at his feet. She kisses his feet. Um, and she, she just begins worshiping him. And the Pharisee sees this and says, whoa, 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 Jesus, do you even know who this woman is? Um, do you know what she's done? How could you allow this? How could you allow her to, to touch you like this? Um, and I love Jesus's response to him. Um, I'll just kind of read this little section. Verse 40, Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. (laughs) I just love that sentence. Um, Anyways, then he goes into one of his famous parables. It says, and this is a short one. It says, A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one owed 10 times more than the other. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them love him more? Um, And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. This is Jesus again talking. And then he goes on to talk about the woman there um, who is at his feet. And he says, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he is forgiven. Little loves little. Y'all, spiritually awake people, recognize their debts. This woman who had so much to be forgiven for loves Jesus that much more. And so if we are spiritually awake, we are recognizing, you know what? Each and every day there is sin in my life. Um, There are things that I need forgiveness for. And each and every day we are recognizing those things and we are coming to God and saying, God, you are incredible um, because I have so much sin in my heart, in my life. Um, here's, here's the takeaway statement. I believe there is a direct correlation between our awareness of our own sin and how much we love God. There is a direct correlation between the, our awareness of our own sin and how much we, we love God. I'm not saying calling us all to just dwell on how awful we are and how sinful we are. But I believe there's a direct correlation between our awareness of our sin and how much Mm. we love God.
1: So a spiritually awake person recognizes their debts, Mm -hmm. right? And so from that, a spiritually awake person, the second thing a spiritually awake person is spiritually awake people are thankful People and I think that that's just a built like they just kind of build on each other and so when we recognize our debts when we know um, that there we have been forgiven much, um, it what in turn happens is a gratitude, and and so that is the the opposite of sitting in our in our sin sitting in our like we feel. filthy and dirty, and we can't—we are not worthy of your love, God, because Jesus did die on the cross to forgive us. And so we recognize our sins, and then we experience God's forgiveness, and thankfulness is poured out from that. And so we are thankful. Um, spiritually awake people are thankful people. And you know when you've been around someone who just is free and thankful and has a heart of gratitude towards God um, and the, everything that he's given them. I mean, if you think about this is... Like going to a foreign country where they have less than we do, just the the sheer like joy that they have based on the things that God has given them. Like we miss out on that a lot with our wealth. We do. We just miss. A lot. And I think because of the culture that we live in, we are not always aware of our sin. Um, and so that's and that's not fun to be aware of your sin. But it's a good prayer to pray to ask God to show us our depravity, our brokenness, so that in turn we are thankful people for the forgiveness that he's given us. And so um, in Ephesians 5, 4, it's, I'm going to just kind of jump around. In Ephesians 5, y'all, I really would go go look at this, but um, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It talks about being people who are thankful, Thankful That we are not complainers, that foolishness and filthiness are not coming out of, out of our mouths, but people who are spiritually awake are full of thanksgiving. Um, and then in verse 20, first of all, in verse 19, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that we address each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and then giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that people who are spiritually awake are full of thanksgiving, that that is what's in our hearts and that is what is squeezed out of us when things happen, is just a gratitude and a thankfulness. In Psalm 100, it says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. I believe we enter the presence of God by being thankful, by telling him thank you for his forgiveness, for his love, for his joy, for everything that he's given us. So a spiritually awake person recognizes their debts A spiritually awake person or spiritually awake people are thankful people. And the last one is spiritually we're holding on real fast. Oh Th- yeah. These are things
0: work. that if you are not these right now, um, they can be, um, brought in kind of through, through discipline of practicing. Right. Um, or, I y- mean,
1: even more than that, just prayer, like exactly, asking yeah. God to show us our sins, show mm-hmm. us our debt so that we're aware of those.
0: Exactly. And if you want to be spiritually awake, Try being these things. Um, yeah. These are things that happen. I mean, the last one's a little bit more of, I think, a response right. to being these things. Go ahead.
1: Spiritually awake people are God conscious. So we believe that spiritually awake people are people who are aware of what God is doing in them and around them. Um, so, you know, we, I told this story about revival and and it was a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we are, um, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and in Ephesians one it says we are promised with, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you chose to follow Jesus, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It is in you. In Romans eight eleven it says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Joey and I, all of you that are here in the studio, if you are watching this, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. That's amazing. This. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, and and we want to be conscious of that. You know, like I want to be conscious of that. I want to know that as God is in me, that I am sensitive to hear His voice, um, which requires me to slow down and listen, which is hard to do, um, to be in His Word because that's where He speaks very clearly. Um, But that Holy Spirit is in us, and it's in in the Holy Spirit. If you think about a spirit and it's fluid. It's moving. You think about a fire, like the, the the power of a fire, it moves. It, it is a flame is not just still, it like moves as the wind, wind blows. And so that spirit that's in us is moving constantly and moving in and around us. And I want to be a kind of person. And I've prayed this for myself, um, that I would hear God's voice, be aware of what he's doing in me and aware of what God's doing around us. Um, and we can be filled, we can ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're sealed with it, but that we would be full of the Holy Spirit, full, overflowing, um, that we would bear fruits of the Holy Spirit. That I mean, there's a whole section in scripture about in the Corinthians. Someone, is it in Corinthians? The fruits of the Spirit? We know this. Come on, Stace. Do you know where it is? Gal- it's not Ephesians. Galatians. Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self control. Those are all of them. But we experience those things by abiding in God and being tapped into the Holy Spirit that is within us. So spiritually awake people recognize their debts. Spiritually awake people are thankful people. And spiritually awake people are God conscious because the Holy Spirit is in them and they're sensing it and they're feeling it and seeing what God's doing in and around them.
0: Amen. Um, y'all, this is a new year. Uh, it's 2021, and um, I don't know if we've ever entered into a year with more hope for um, for what is to come. And the what I want to encourage you with today is that um, we can all wake up. Um, the with the spirit in us, uh, we can wake up, um, and and so that's my prayer. For uh, really, for for me personally, um, I know, like like we talked about, that fires start with with a spark, um, and my personal desire is to be a spark, um, at, for for someone else. Um, I want to be as the beginning of Ephesians five says says in five one it says I want to be an imitator of God. Um, I want to be a spark that that reflects light so that other people see Christ in me and starting this new year, y'all is a great opportunity to awaken spiritually for us to awaken to, um, to what God has done for us and to what God can do for us. Um, and so I know most of you guys are just watching on a screen on, on, in your living room or, or wherever you're at, um, this maybe falling on, on deaf ears, but I believe that there's somebody out there today um, who needs to wake up, um, who needs to uh, be spiritually awoken today. And we've been praying for you. Um, we've we've um, been praying for, for the Holy Spirit to, to awaken people this morning. And so if you feel kind of a, a rumbling inside, if you feel um, the, the Spirit saying, hey, I'm here with you, um, wake up! I want, uh, I want to to do more in you. I want to use you. Um, don't, don't, uh, just, stifle that. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, and He can do incredible things. He can do incredible things. Uh, so we started today's message off with a with, uh, pump you up video um, but it was from a uh, poem that was written in the 1700s by a guy, guy named Lawrence Tr- Tribble um, and Meg's going to just read it one more time for, to close this out.
1: Alright it says this One man awake awakens another The second awakens his next door brother The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down, the many awake can cause such a fuss. It finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes. Surely, then it multiplies. Surely, then it multiplies. Let's pray. God, I pray, um, God, that you would you would set a spark a flame in our hearts this morning. Um, God, revival starts with one man or woman awake. God, we long for to see you move um, in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church and in our town. And we know that you can because you are a God who moves. You are powerful and mighty and good. And we are excited and expectant of what you're gonna do this coming year. God, it starts in our own hearts. And so God, I pray for every single person who's hearing these words right now or later if they watch it later, Lord, that you would start a fire in us to long to know you better to long to spend time with you, to long to be changed by you. Lord, that we would recognize our debts so that we would love you more because we would know how much we have been forgiven. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and be raised to new life so that we can have a relationship with you and be sealed with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see how you are moving in us and around us. God, we need you God, this world is broken, and we are thankful that this is not our home, that our home is with you. And so, God, I pray that as we live out our days here, Lord, that we would be tuned into what you're doing, that we would be conscious of how you're moving, and that fire would grow within us. God, we need you, and we are thankful for how you're going to move in our lives this year and how you're going to move in Connection Point Church. We believe great things are going to happen. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.